Welcome to this edition of PowerPoint with Jack Graham. A little later in the program, we'll tell you how you can get a copy of Dr. Graham's book, The Hope of Easter. But first, here's the message, Life Giver. Life, all life, is precious to God. The defining justice and righteousness issue of our times is the sanctity of life, all of life. Black lives matter. Not the organization, not just that statement, but the reality of that truth. And not only do black lives matter, but babies' lives matter. And that includes babies, black, white, brown, both preborn and born. Because we believe in the value of life from the womb to the tomb, from conception to the cradle to the coffin. All of life is valuable because God has created it. The bright light of hope is shining in America. We've seen all the darkness and the chaos and the rioting and all the rest that's going on in our country right now. And as the days get darker, the lights are shining brighter. As we rise up as God's people and continue to stand for truth and righteousness and justice, and as I said, there's no greater righteousness or justice issue in the world today than the right to life and the sanctity of human life. And so as the darkness is depressingly deepening, the light is shining brighter. People are speaking boldly and shining brightly. And so when we talk about the sanctity of human life, we're talking about life throughout the days of life, inside and outside of the womb, those born and those not yet to be born. The womb ought to be the most sacred place on earth and the safest place on earth. And yet in America, there have been 876,000 abortions took place in 2018, the last full statistic. So nearly a million a year, so over 60 million abortions in America since Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million and counting. That's more, way, way more. 1.2 million Americans have died in war since the Revolutionary War and all the wars in America, 1.2 million, and yet 60 million deaths by execution and abortion in the womb. There are only about 10 countries that have a higher annual number of abortions than the United States. So we're in the top 10 of a sad group of nations leading the world in abortions. And while we are grateful that abortions are trending downward, there are signs of change going on in America and trending downward, Christians should not stop fighting this good fight of faith for the voiceless until there are none who are aborted in this country. None. Amen. 
So this message is to give you God's Word. This is the worldview. This is the Word's view of this subject. And so where do we begin? These are just a sampling of the Scriptures that I want to share with you. Let's begin at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move on, a, on the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. Later on defined, described as male and female, He created them. In the image of God, He created them male and female. He created them. So at the very outset of the Bible, speaking of worldview, if you read Genesis 1, in the beginning God created, your worldview is beginning to form right there. You start with God. And because there is a God who is creator and sustainer of the universe, He is the governor of all of, of creation, and that includes creation and the creatures uh, themselves. You and me, from the beginning, have human dignity and sanctity, sacredness before God. So to destroy what God has made and is making is a direct attack on God Almighty. Human life is personal to God, precious to God. You matter to God because God made you in your mother's womb. And human life is to be viewed as distinct from all other kinds of life, whether it be animal life or plant life. Human life is different because when God created us, the Scripture says He breathed into Adam and Eve the breath of life, and they became living souls. This is not said of the creeping things and the crawling things and the beast of the field and so on. These are different. No animal worships God. We are made to worship God. Animals glorify God. Animals praise God with their very presence of creation. But we are distinct from the beast. We are not naked apes. We are not the product of evolution. We are made in the image of God. Now that image has been disfigured by sin. And that's why Christ came. That's why God took action from the beginning. Before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. His blood poured out. And this is why Jesus went to the cross, because we have defamed and destroyed the image, the work of God in us, broken by sin, but restored, redeemed in redemption at the cross and the resurrection of Christ. And you can be reborn by the power of Jesus Christ. But you are a living soul, and because every living soul is breathed out by God. In fact, the word embryo in the Bible is the word brephos, which means breath, and it's the same word used of the children who came to Jesus when Jesus said, let the little children come to me, the brephos, the child. Same word in the womb, out of the womb, brephos. We are the breath of God. So. Life is sacred because life, all humans, are made in the image of God. Secondly, life is sacred because God cherishes life. 
Turn over to Genesis 9 and verse 6. 9 of Genesis verse 6. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made humankind. Therefore, to take another life, a human life, is to, to murder. And the Scripture says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not murder. And then life is sacred because God carefully designed it. Now this is a key passage, Psalm 139. So go to Psalm 139. We're going to look at verses 13 to 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame, that is my skeletal system, the muscles, was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, a clear reference to the womb. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body, my substance, and it can actually be translated embryo. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All your days, written in the book of God, before you were even conceived. Therefore, life is precious. Verse 13, David is the author of this psalm. He describes himself as God's handiwork. You are a masterpiece of God. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, we are His workmanship, His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So we are the handiwork of God, designed, that God designs our inmost being. That literally means internal organs. And even in the womb, the heart begins to beat after just a few weeks. And the organs begin to develop in the child in the womb early on. And it's all happening as God is ordaining our days from conception to eternity. God is orchestrating, God is weaving, God is working in the womb. Every single detail of us, isn't that good? Every single detail of the human life, elements that can only be seen through something like an image mag or, a, or an x-ray of some kind, God is working in us. The phrase, knit me together, implies the concept of the individual parts that are being uh, made into a whole, the inward parts of our flesh. It's important to see here that David is clearly saying, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that this is a full-fledged person in the womb. This is life, God creating in the womb and that He is sacredly and carefully and uniquely designing each person in the womb. You're listening to PowerPoint with Jack Graham and today's message, Life Giver. The resurrection of Christ tells us that as we trust in Him, He gives us a future and the hope of eternal life. We want to strengthen you in that hope this season with Pastor Jack Graham's book, The Hope of Easter. It's our thanks for your gift 
to take the gospel to more people across our hurting world through PowerPoint. For a limited time, your gift will be doubled by a $150,000 matching grant. So call now to request your copy of The Hope of Easter when you have your gift doubled by the match. Call 1-800-795-4627. That's 1-800-795-4627. You can also text the word HOPE to 59789. And don't forget to visit jackgram.org where you can shop our e-store, give a gift online, or sign up for Dr. Graham's free daily email devotional. Our website again is jackgram.org. Now let's get back to today's message, Life Giver. Psalm 139, verse 14, David then praises God for his creative work. Not only does he praise him for the the power of this creation, but how God created us. Because he says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully. Meaning, it's the word awesome. You, because God made you, are awesomely awesome. Maybe next time you get up and look in the mirror and you're looking like death warmed over from the night before, (laughs) remind yourself, I am awesomely awesome. Why? Because God has created us fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderfully can also mean distinct in its context. That is unique, like a snowflake. We're all different. And, and science now can reveal and help us understand this, what the Bible is teaching, that in, in every cell of your body, there's, there's, enough, uh, there's enough information to create your adult person. It's all in there. It's all in your DNA, fearfully and awesomely made. God always excels in what He creates. It was good. God has created you fearfully and wonderfully made. He said, the psalmist just stopped to think about that moment, and he said, and I know that quite well. Stop and think about it. This is what I know. Verse 15, David then moves from the inside, the innermost of the being, to the, and the internal organs to the outside structure of the body. He declares that the frame, the skeletal system, the bones, the muscles are known by God, created in the secret place. In other words, God was present in the secret place when David and you and me were created, being formed in our mother's womb. God was there. God is there. And let me tell you something. God loves you. He has created you. He loves you. Verse 16, David further declares how God oversees his formation in his mother's womb. Today we are able to look into the womb. It's it's a life changer when women who come to our pregnancy center now not only hear a heartbeat, but through 3D ultrasound are able to look in the womb and see this is not a blob of tissue or the product of conception. This is a baby growing. And he says, God looks into the womb. God sees us. This is why life is sacred. When David speaks of life within the womb, he does not speak of life as it or impersonal, 
but rather as me and my. This is me. This is who I am. Life precious, personal. Jeremiah said it as well. Jeremiah chapter 1, before I was born, I was formed in my mother's womb. A prophet was in the room, was in the womb. John the Baptist leaped for joy in his mother's womb at the announcement of the birth of the Messiah, Jesus. Life in the womb, life from God. Every single life on this earth matters to God because he personally, carefully orchestrated, ordained that life into being. Therefore, to take that life is a sin against God. Ultimately, there are objections to why someone should be able to make their own choice about life, and you can't make up uh, someone else's mind for them. And certainly true, it does become a, a choice. God has given us a choice. But God has called every one of us to choose life, and that includes life in the womb. And of all the, obje- all the objections, well, what about this or what about that? There are five or six major ones. Each one can be answered. But ultimately, it's not that, listen carefully, it's not that complicated a decision. Either you believe what the Bible says, that life is created in the womb, start with God, you believe in God, you believe God is creator, you believe human dignity and sanctity of life is created by God, that life begins at conception in the womb. You either believe that or not. If you don't believe that, if you don't believe there's a God, if you don't believe God creates life, that we're just products of chance or accidents or evolutionary process, then, then, we're, then all of life is discardable. No one really matters. And thus we have secularism and all the rest that's in the world today, life without God, which results in chaos. But it all begins with God and who you believe God is, who Jesus is, and therefore what life is really all about. So it's an uncomplicated decision. If you believe that there is life in your womb, you will choose life for that child. If not, if you don't believe it's a human life, if you believe this is something else and God's not even involved in it, then that's a decision you make, but with great consequences, great consequences. Um, The psychological damage, you see, we're not only pro-babies, we're pro-mamas too. And the damage that abortion has inflicted upon not only babies born and unborn, but moms. Motherhood begins at conception also. Motherhood begins at conception and there is automatically, instinctively placed in there by God a maternal tug at the mother's heart. And stress on women who have had abortions five to ten years uh, previous to to those still remains. And these are just some of the troubling trends that we see. Because you see, we love moms. 
We care about the kids. We care about the moms. But listen to this. 100% of those women reported feelings of sadness, regret, remorse, and sense of loss. 92% reported feelings of depression. 92% reported feelings of guilt. There are about 20 of these. I'm not going to read them all. 89% reported fear that others would learn of their pregnancy and abortion experience. 81% reported feelings of diminished self-worth. 81% reported preoccupation with the characteristics of the aborted child, and on and on. I'm pointing out that there are consequences to bad decisions. We're not smarter than God. And so for moms and their families, this is significant. So abortion is psychologically wrong, it's medically wrong, it is legally wrong, and it's biblically wrong. So what should we do? How should we respond? Number one, here's what you can do. Pray in every way and for everyone ingrained involved in this issue. James 5.16, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Do you believe in prayer? That God answers prayer? I do. Do you believe it matters if you pray, get on your knees and pray for life, for the unborn, for the born? Do you believe it matters? The most profound thought you can imagine is this. God answers prayer, and the God of heaven will answer our prayers and hear our cry. But it is the effective, fervent prayer of righteous people that avails much. Pray. Here's a short list. Pray for God's protection on all unborn babies threatened by abortion. Pray for mothers to recognize and love their unborn children from the moment of conception. Next, pray for fathers to commit themselves to raising their children and caring for their mothers. Pray for family members and friends of the parents to support the choice for life. One of the problems we have, even among Christians in churches, is the parents do not often support their child's decision to carry the baby to term. Pray for family members and friends. Pray for all who facilitate abortions, clinic workers, doctors, nurses. We need to be praying for people who are engaged in this bloody business, for their souls, that they would know Christ, because God loves them. And we've got tremendous stories of people who have come out of these centers, who have come to Christ, Planned Parenthood and others, these abortion mills, who have come to faith in Christ. And of course, that changes everything. They can no longer participate in this stuff. So pray, and then be informed and get involved. We pray, yes, and we work. We act in love. And we get involved. We speak up. We're not sinfully silent. Silence is one of the great sins of Christians in the world today. And then create a culture of life, of hope and salvation. The devil steals, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So what we need to do is to exalt Christ because Christ brings life. He brings love. 
into people's hearts, into people's homes, into communities. And so let's work for this culture of life. And this is the work of evangelism. This is the work of sharing Jesus, the love of the cross and the power of the resurrection to save that we would all be flaming witnesses because I'm telling you the greatest thing that will turn a person's head towards life for their baby is to turn their hearts to Jesus Christ. You're listening to PowerPoint with Jack Graham and today's message, Life Giver. This Easter time, we invite you to journey with Pastor Graham through the last week of Jesus's life on earth through his book titled, The Hope of Easter. Deepen your hope in Christ and reignite your desire to share Him with others as you meditate on the incredible events of Jesus' Passion Week. The hope of Easter comes as a thanks for your gift to help more people experience the hope of Jesus Christ as together we proclaim His gospel all around the world. And for a limited time, your gift will be doubled by a $150,000 matching grant, so it's worth twice as much. So request your copy of The Hope of Easter when you call and have your gift matched today. Call 1-800-795-4627. That's 1-800-795-4627. You can also text the word HOPE to 59789. And don't forget to visit jackgram.org where you can shop our e-store, give a gift online, or sign up for Dr. Graham's free daily email devotional. Our website again is jackgraham.org. Pastor, what is your PowerPoint for today? When we consider an ethical question such as when life begins, we realize that we're dealing with a culture that has either dismissed God or attempted to redefine God. But God is holy, and He has settled the issue of abortion long before He created the heavens and the earth. What's happened is that many in this country have abandoned the Judeo-Christian biblical ethic, which was the consensus view for nearly 200 years in our country. You can trace our nation's decline back to the 1960s, which was a time of great rebellion against traditional values and morality. And then on the heels of that rebellion came Roe v. Wade, a 1973 Supreme Court decision that legalized a woman's choice to terminate the life of her baby. Choices are made on the basis of convenience, which means human life is disposable. This is what happens in a culture where there's no moral authority, where there's no fear of God. When there's no God, everything is permissible. The bottom line is that if you accept that abortion is permissible, you must reject the Bible. You can't have it both ways because the Bible clearly states that life begins at conception. This is explicitly stated. Even Christ himself became a living being inside of Mary's womb. And the scripture tells us that even before conception in the womb, life begins in the heart and mind of God. So this is a sacred issue, a literal matter of life and death. And if you trust in God and his word, then you must accept that life is also sacred. When it comes to the issue of choice, God has given you and me a choice. We can choose life and stand with him, or we can choose death and stand against him. And that is today's PowerPoint. Remember, when you give a gift to PowerPoint, we'll send you Dr. Graham's book, The Hope of Easter, as our thanks. Call 1-800-795-4627. That's 1-800-795-4627. You can also text the word HOPE to 59789. Join us again next time when Dr. Graham brings a message about the physical and spiritual dangers of socialism. That's next time on PowerPoint with Jack Graham. PowerPoint with Jack Graham is sponsored by PowerPoint Ministries.